0: You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Really excited to catch up with our next guest, talking about Rick Stolmeyer, founder and executive chair of Mind Body. He founded that company, as I mentioned. Uh, I met him when I was working on my book, Sweat Equity, all about the fitness industry. Um, So he's a longtime practitioner of this. He has seen the rise, the growth, and now really the stress that the fitness industry is under, but at a time when we need to be talking about wellness more. More than ever, Rick. Really nice to have you with us. How are you,
2: Jason? It's great to be back, Carol. Great to be back. I'm doing well, and uh, and thank you for having me on.
1: So, tell us about kind of the state of fitness right now. I want to talk to you about some of the things that are going on with your company, but but give us the sort of the big picture because you know here we are in the tri-state area. New York is about to basically kind of let people go back to the gym next week. About A third of the people, third capacity, you know, social distancing, all of that. This has got to be a very stressful time for the fitness world.
2: It really is, and it's it's really a dichotomy out there. I mean, what we're seeing right now is, is a supply constrained market. People want their fitness classes, they want their wellness services and experiences more than ever. And you know, one of the, well, I guess one of the unintended consequences of this mishmash of State and, and regional reactions or, or responses to COVID is that what we've seen around the country is, you know, some states never really closed down completely. Other states reopened very quickly. Uh, we all know those stories. You know, you're in the tri-state area, which has been probably the model of how, how disciplined the approach has been. Um, what we've seen in every one of those cases is when the businesses are open or when they reopen, uh, they get flooded with consumer interest because people's wellness has been severely impacted by this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I I do think it's interesting. So you talk about people flooding back, and I do think about what about new folks who maybe thought, okay, it's not that important. I've got work to do, or I've got, you know, X to do. And now they're saying, wait a minute, this has got to be fitness, wellness have to be a part of my regular living.
2: Well, that's right. I mean, we all know, of course, you know, the pre-existing conditions around obesity, mm-hmm. uh, hypertension, heart disease, cardiovascular disease, uh, type two diabetes. Those things, have, of course, have been shown to be major risk factors for COVID. And, and I think people, a lot of people have gotten that memo. I mean, people that I talk to, people that I see, um, at the same time, being restricted to our homes for, for such an extended period of time, you know, for many people, they put on weight. Uh, for many people, they, their, their fitness has struggled um, and then lastly, you know, wellness isn't just physical, is it? Right? It's also emotional well-being. It's a sense of social connection. It's community. And I think we're all suffering in this country, in fact, in most of the world, from the impact of having all of that so severely disrupted. And, and it, it's why we remain very bullish about the industry we serve for the long term. But of course, this is a really challenging time on, on both the consumer side and the business owner's.
1: And so uh, for those business owners, Rick, what can you do and what are they doing collectively to have their voices heard at, at the state and local level? Because as you said, it's been a, a little bit of a patchwork. And, and I would imagine, you know, in part because, and you know this much better than I do, you know, these are small businesses in, in many cases that are struggling. What's the message that you're helping get to public officials about the importance of these businesses?
2: Well, we have we have been doing what we can to advocate um, both in, the, uh, uh, in in Washington as well as uh, at the state capitals. Uh, I plan personally to do a lot more of that. You know, I, as you alluded to at the beginning here, um, I've just transitioned from being CEO. I mean, a role that I've had for 20 years. Handed the baton to Josh McCarter. He's our new CEO, and Sunil Rajasekhar, who was our CTO, has been elevated to President and CTO. I mean, this is a dream team. These, these guys and the executive team around them, by far the strongest we've ever had. So I can feel very confident in, in the company's continued growth and, and innovation. And what I want to spend more of my time doing is that outwardly facing role. Um, these, these businesses are almost all small business owners. Even if you owned an Orange Theory Fitness or an F45 franchise, for example, the, the, the classic franchisee, is, is a, uh, typically like a, a two spouses um, who uh, invested in this business and are running it hands-on every day. And of course, so many of these businesses are just independent mama-papa shops, and no one has been advocating on their behalf. Even looking at how the states generally have, have issued edicts around whether they could open and close is sort of a broad brush. You know, no gyms can open. So it doesn't matter if it's a 80,000 square foot health club with hundreds of people streaming through the door or a small little yoga Pilates or or group exercise studio that maybe in normal times might've had 20 people in class. And now with social distancing, they have maybe eight people. I mean, these, it's not high risk. They, we have seen firsthand, if you take the proper precautions, the social distancing, the mask wearing, you can go in and have a great experience very safely. And I'm not sure, I don't think many people are telling that story to, our our government leaders who are making these
1: decisions. So, Rick, you and I caught up a little earlier in the pandemic for the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about is, and this goes back to where we left off in our conversation, these are small businesses, many of these boutique studios, especially Mm mom-and-pop type shops. uh, A lot of them are just going to go out of business. I think you had even predicted maybe a quarter of them uh, would just ultimately have to, hang it up, a fold up shop. What do, you th- what do you make of that prediction now?
2: Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh-huh. Um, these businesses have proven far more resilient than we'd hoped. And of course, we've been rooting for them from the very beginning of the, uh, of the pandemic. And, you know, immediately when the, uh, as the, the lockdown started in late March, they started adapting. And of course, the, the most obvious thing was delivering their classes and experiences via video. And so live streaming video and then putting up libraries of video on demand, they started doing that spontaneously. And MindBody has been innovating rapidly. Uh, We now have a virtual wellness platform that enables them to do that in a way that they can have sustainable uh, businesses. And you and I talked about that, Jason. Uh, Now what you see, of course, is a lot more of these activities going on outside. Um, And the science indicates that being outside is just simply safer than being in a room with recirculating air. And lastly, of course, is just immaculate cleanliness, uh, a lot more distance between uh, workout stations um, and everybody wearing masks. And, you know, we've w- what we have seen, um, I think is a remarkable adaptation of an industry. That being said, you know, this kind of brutal two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, uh, you know, at some point is gonna start taking a toll. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we're rooting for all of uh, these businesses Um, But I think we still are probably going to expect some some notable uh, amounts of business failures in the months ahead, given what it just appears that the pandemic and how it's going to develop. And then we're not going to get out of this very challenging situation, right, for at least a a few quarters, probably.
0: Yeah, it kind of breaks my heart about those who have, as you said, sometimes it's it's a couple who started a business and they're just not going to make it through. Um. You talk about live streaming. There's in studio. There's outdoor classes, depending on, you know, kind of where you live. You know, Rick, what we love about talking with you is, you know, you guys do have the platform where you you get insight into so many different businesses. What other data points? Are you able to kind of see that are revealing about what's going on right now, and and what might continue for for some time, or kind of stay with us as we all kind of pivot and and kind of embrace some of these change ways of doing things, including working out and staying well?
2: Well, first of all, we're seeing you know rising consumer demand for these activities of all types, of all categories, and of course, fitness is the leading part of that. Um, we see high sensitivity on the consumer side. We've been surveying you know, millions of consumers on our platform, uh, and we've been surveying people in a scientific way. And, you know, more than 90% of consumers indicate that, yes, rigorous sanitization is important. The, uh, about three-fourths of them say the new layouts are really important, and they like what they're seeing. If you haven't visited one of these studios in a long time or since the pandemic started, I encourage you to go look at it and understand it. Um, we can now leverage technology in ways that really just minimize the kind of contact. So, for example, contactless check-in and contactless payments. Um, that's extremely important to consumers today. And I, I think that uh, it, it is going to be challenging for these businesses, but but the ones that do get through this, that do the weather this, are going to face a, a, a really remarkable market. Um, and uh, for some of the most forward-leaning businesses, what they're doing is as they see uh, in downtown retail areas, of course, businesses of all types have been failing, that's opening up space. Mm. And you see the more well-capitalized brands uh, swooping in because it was really a shortage of prime retail space that was holding back the industry before COVID hit. And so I think you're gonna see a real changeover. Um, lastly, the ability, if I'm gonna commit to a membership or a prepaid package at this particular studio, well, I want to know that regardless of what happens, whatever the state of, of social distancing restrictions or lockdowns in my region, that I'm going to be able to keep, keep engaging. So just being able to have hybrid memberships is is very important to people today. And, and we see that happening uh, already in, in the businesses that we're serving.
0: If I can just follow them, I also do wonder by having such a platform as your own, it kind of creates um, a tracing platform that, you know, if a case breaks out at a certain, you know, studio or workout or gym, you know, place that immediately you can say, okay, these were the people that were there and we can kind of be right on top of it from the get-go?
2: We haven't been asked to divulge that data. I mean, we treat data confidentiality, both the businesses' confidential data and consumers' confidential data, very seriously. So um, it's not something that that we would just um, easily offer up. But if there were some kind of organized process, uh, you know, to, that, that we could assist, and of course we'd have to get people's permission. I think, right? To to allow us to share what you're talking about as geolocation, um, you know, we, we know it's where are you physically at certain times, and if somebody came down with it, who was around them right. uh, in their recent activities? Uh, you know, that would have to come from, um, you know, it could have to come from government. Right. Say that, And I think consumers would have to explicitly uh, approve that, yes, you are allowed to use my information for the purpose of COVID contact tracing, you know, a very narrow specific thing. Because, you know, remember what was happening before COVID was all this movement around data privacy all right. over the world.
1: Right. Um, it is amazing how much we have uh, changed our thinking. All right, Rick, before we let you go, you got one minute to uh, tell us about your book. When's it going to be out? What's it going to be about?
2: So my book is called Building a Wellness Business that Lasts, and it's a definitive guide for the post-COVID world, and it's all the things necessary for an entrepreneur to conceive, plan, uh, build out, and open their own wellness business, everything we've learned across the last 20 years, as well as really important insights uh, in the, the first uh, five months of the uh, COVID pandemic, and uh, it's coming out um, end of October.
1: All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. You'll have to come back uh, and tell us all about it. You have learned so much, I know, uh, over the course of the last 20 years. And uh, this was a business, Carol, as I think you know. Rick literally started in his garage back in 2001. I love So uh, really nice to catch up with him. Such a thoughtful guy. Uh, I can't wait to read the book. Rick Stolmeyer, the executive chairman and founder of MindBody.